0: This is the City of Refuge, Thomaston, Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. The following is a live recorded sermon by Pastor Jeff Deal. So we'll look at that scripture again um, from John chapter 8. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now, I can't go looking for my freedom from somebody who's living in slavery. Right? I cannot go looking for my freedom from somebody who's living in slavery. I think I said last... Sunday or sometime, or maybe it was somewhere else, that I don't put my faith in politics and government. One of the reasons for that, one of the major reasons, is because there are too many slaves who are serving in politics and government. They're slaves to their own ideals. They're slaves to their own agendas. They're slaves to this thing or that thing and i'm just not going to go searching for freedom and expect a slave to give it to me that's that's really an irrational way to think or to approach it but i do want my freedom how about you i want my freedom i want to be able to exercise that freedom day by day i think people were exercising i think people were demonstrating yesterday And really leading up to yesterday, how much they want to express their gratitude for freedom and how much they plan to continue to embrace it and to live in it. Because even throughout last week, I could hear fireworks and gunshots that sound like going off all over the place. Like, what in the world is going on? Of course, the fear were posting on social media that it was leading up to a violent outburst that was going to happen on the 4th of July when people were celebrating that the terrorists and the Antifa and all these people were going to show up with guns and start killing everybody. That that's why all these shots and these fireworks were going off was that we were being um, numbed to the sounds and just taking it to be fireworks so that when they came with their guns we would be taken off guard. As it ends up that wasn't true, it's just fear-mongering. It was just people celebrating their freedom. My brother called me last night about 10 o'clock. He said, did you give anyone permission to use the empty lot that we own up the street, the old American Legion parking lot? tonight for a party? I said, no. Now, you know where City Refuge is, right? It's in a pretty rough neighborhood. And he said, well, there are about 500 people on our our lot over there. They have cut, I guess, the locks off the gates, and they're in there having a big-time party. I said, well, Bruce, you need to walk up there and tell them to get the heck off of our property. (laughs) And he said, I don't think I'll do that. People were expressing their their freedom. Just a side note, don't shoot guns up in the air when you celebrate, because guess what happens to those bullets? They come down somewhere. We had a case manager come to my office one day and she's holding a slug that she says was laying on top of her desk when she came to work one morning after a holiday and she said, where in the world do you think this thing came from? I said, look up and a hole in her ceiling because people shoot guns up in the air and the bullets come down. My buddy Ryan, who's a security guard who was a gangster for many years and and served time in prison and all, but uh, now works for us, said, well, I shoot my gun up in the air. I thought that those bullets just get up in the atmosphere somewhere and just disintegrate. I said, Ryan, you're in the wrong business, son. You need to be doing ice cream at the Dairy Queen or something. So, we enjoy our freedom, we want our freedom, we celebrate our freedom, but we have some problems. We have some problems now. Well, we've always had some problems, but we've got more. Problems are popping up all over the place. And so we're trying to, or we're discussing, what's the foundation of the, the problems? If you dig way down, you just keep digging, 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 keep excavating, What are you going to find at the bottom of all of it? If you see the problems as a big tree and each branch represents a problem, you have to know that those are problems, but they're not the problem. The problem is underground. The problem is a root. The problem is the first part of that tree that started to grow at some point. And all of these branches are just that. They're branches off of that initial problem. There is a foundational problem that we have to get to and that we have to deal with. Or we will never be successful at dealing with all the branch problems. So we know that we have some problems. And and I, I think that a lot of the problems in America are stemming now from the fact that people are saying, we want to have an autonomous society. So if you don't know what that means, let me run through it real quick. I told you a couple weeks ago, I'm committed to listening and learning and I've been listening a lot and I've been learning a lot. So I'm gonna use some big words, but then I'm gonna explain them, but I'm not using big words because I'm a big word kind of a person. I'm, I'm using big words because I've been listening and learning and these big words are part of the learning. So you have three types of societies. You have a a theonomous society. A theonomous society has God at the center. God establishes law. God establishes the rules. And the people who inhabit that society live by and large by the laws that God establishes. Now, that doesn't mean that every person loves God, doesn't mean that every person worships God, doesn't mean that every person has surrendered his or her life to the Lord, but it does mean, in terms of the structure of the society and of the government, it is founded on God's principles, okay? Because theos means God. Autonomous autonomy means law or government. That's a theonomous society. The United States of America was founded as a theonomous society. Okay. People left Europe and came here because the number one thing on the list was they wanted religious freedom. The Church of England had become something that they did not want to be part of. It was no longer really the body of Christ, rather the church had become a political organization that was exacting its political powers over the ordinary citizen. And they said, that's not what religion is to us. Religion is paying attention to the mandates of God and living by them. So they came in masses to the new world, and they set up new societies, and they established ultimately in the late 1700s, a Declaration of Independence, and then a Bill of Rights, and then a Constitution. And if you go and examine and read any of those three documents, here's what you're going to find. Is that all the foundational principles in those documents come from the Bible. Come from the Ten Commandments come from the laws and the words and the mandates of God Almighty. Okay? That's a theonomous society. That's the way this nation was founded. So when you hear people talking about our forefathers and what they did and how they, this is what they're talking about. Is that this is how America was founded and these are the principles upon which it was founded. The second society is a heteronymous society. In a heteronymous society, you either have one individual leader or a small group of leaders who make the rules and who enforce the rules. So a true kingdom is a heteronomous society because the king is making the rules and the king is enforcing the rules and using his military might to do that. But also... Islamic nations, true Islamic nations, are heteronymous societies because there are a few that establish the rules and enforce the rules. Those few are the imams and the sheikhs and all the leaders inside the Islamic religion because in Islam, just like in Europe back in the days when the, the settlers left and came here, They have mixed up religion and politics to where there's no longer separation between church and state. You see, that's why our founding fathers saw it to be so important to establish this constitutional principle of the separation of church and state because of what they had lived through in England and in Europe. But the, the nation of Islam sees government and religion as intertwined into one thing. That's a heteronomous society. And the third is an autonomous society. In an autonomous society, every individual is given the right to make up his or her own rules who establish what they believe is right for themselves and what's wrong for themselves. You're familiar with this, right? There's a reason why you're familiar with it, because we hear it a lot. Because it is a massive and major force that is happening in America right now. That what's right for Jonathan may not be right for me, and what's wrong for Sully may not be wrong for me. I make up my own rules. I live by my own ideas of what's right and what's wrong and what's best for me. This is the push that's happening in America. The push is toward autonomy. The push, and, and when you push toward something, you automatically are pushing away from something else. There is no such thing as pushing toward autonomy and not pushing away from theonomy. Theonomy. If you're pushing toward autonomy, you are automatically pushing away from theonomy. But that's what people say they want. Autonomy. There are a couple of problems with the problem. And autonomy is a big problem. One of the problems is this, is that you will find if you talk to a person who says they're in favor of an autonomous society... And you ask them, what is your opinion? Let's use the subject of abortion for a minute, okay? Because the majority of people who want autonomy are what they call pro-choice, which, by the way, is a phrase that is one of those trick phrases because it sounds benign and generic and harmless. So you'll ask them, what's your opinion on abortion? And they'll say, I'm pro-choice. The only problem with their push toward autonomy is when you express to them that you are not pro-choice but you're pro-life and you're about protecting the lives of the unborn, you're going to get resistance from them because it's not really just about them wanting to be able to choose for themselves. It's about wanting them to be able to tell you that you have to do the same thing. Which cancels out the legitimacy of autonomy. You follow me? When Dan Cathy, the president and CEO of Chick-fil-A Corporation, made his statements a couple of years ago in an interview about his view on traditional marriage. Now, Dan Cathy didn't say, I hate homosexuals. Dan Cathy didn't say, I think that people who want to marry the same sex ought to be imprisoned or put to death. He just said, in my opinion, based on the way I was raised and based on the way I see God's Word, I'm a follower of God, I believe in the traditional view of marriage. One man, one woman having children, raising their families. That's what I believe. He caught a firestorm, a backlash because of his comments. So what did he do? He did what I guess corporate executives in powerful positions of leadership feel like they have to do. He backtracked. He didn't backtrack completely and say, no, I changed my mind, I agree the other way. But he did apologize, and he did say that people have a right to be able to live how they want to and to love who they want to. Here's what tells you that the autonomous don't really want autonomy. That wasn't enough for them. They didn't just want an apology from the man, they wanted him to begin to invest his money and to work on their behalf to promote the agenda of the LGBTQ community, and they will not be satisfied until he's done that. That invalidates completely the idea of autonomy. It's hypocritical is what it is. What happened to the days when I said I wasn't going to preach on politics and social hot topics? What happened was, and here's the answer, that when all of the coronavirus stuff broke out back in late February, March, and then a lot of other stuff started happening with the the death of George Floyd and the racial protests and everything that's going on, I dug in, started to study, to pray more than ever, to listen and to learn before we decided to launch anything. And the Holy Spirit hit me between the eyes with a powerful three-word mandate, and that was tell the truth. Why? Because the truth is the only thing you can use to fight against a lie. The truth is the only thing that will effectively defeat deception. no ducking and dodging, no burying our heads in the sand, just tell the truth. Let the truth do its job. It's not up to me to fix. It's not up to me to heal. It's not up to me to change. It's up to me to tell the truth and let the truth do the work. Tell the truth. Here's the problem, one of the problems with autonomy. The second problem, I just gave you the first. This mission, this charge, is being led by very young people. Why is that a problem, Jeff? You know the answer to that. Because very young people don't know what they're doing. No offense, Caden. No offense, Riley. But i got to tell the truth. Very young people don't know what they're doing. They don't have the life experience to lead this kind of thing. That's why it's so chaotic. That's why it's so confusing. That's why it seems like it's just running, you know, ramshackle over everything because they don't know what they're doing. It's all built on a lie. It's built on a faulty foundation. And they put together these plans and these strategies which end up being disastrous If you've been keeping up with the news at all, you know about the Seattle chop zone that was taken over in the protest. And they fence it off. This was done by and large by young university and college aged people who said no police allowed in here, no government in here, no law enforcement in here. This is ours. This is our little autonomous example of what we believe America ought to look like. After four people were shot to death inside their little chop zone, they finally went in and broke it down and sent them home because they didn't know what they were doing. They're not qualified to lead. Look back through history. I've been watching this documentary called Be Water. It's the story of Bruce Lee. Who remembers who Bruce Lee was? Bruce Lee, famous Chinese-American actor and martial artist. And it struck me in the story because he was born in San Francisco to Chinese parents, but at one point when he wasn't making any progress in his acting career, he decided to go to Hong Kong and give it a shot over there. And so it talks about Hong Kong and all the political chaos. And at that time, it was still a British colony. And and there were a lot of protests going on about that. And people bucking up against colonialism. And and the charges, by and large, were led by very young people. College-age kids. And so they decide they're going to formulate this protest in a place called Tiananmen Square. Who remembers that? And so what did they do? After extreme warning by the government and the military not to do it, they did it anyway. And thousands of young people gather in Tiananmen Square. Now listen, here's what I mean when I say that young people don't know what they're doing. You have a communist government that is ruled by a dictator and his army of millions of soldiers who has told you don't do that or you're going to pay a severe price for it. But they do it anyway. And when the tanks and the armored trucks come rolling in with those Chinese soldiers in them and those bright young people decide to stand in the pathway and impede their progress, well, they just opened fire on them. They never gave an official count on how many were killed, but it was at least 600, but probably upwards of 2,000 young people dead in the street because of a stupid idea about protesting. Because there are ways to protest and there are ways to to make pushes toward what you want to see happen and positive progress in your nation, but that is a stupid way to do it. And I would love to say to every protester who's blocked a street, who's burned a building, who's turned over a car, who's busted a window, who's stolen somebody else's property that doesn't belong to them, that is stupid. And it's not going to get you where you want to go, and it's not going to accomplish the goals that you say you're after. There is a way to do it. There's a way for your voice to be heard, and that is just not it. And our nation got so scared that we allowed a lot of this stuff to go on here for a little bit. And I'm just praying that it's coming to an end. And that they don't wait until four more young people are shot to death inside a law enforcement free zone before they start breaking it up. Protests at Mount Rushmore. Protesting what? Protesting what? Racism? You know that one of the four men whose faces is on Mount Rushmore is almost exclusively responsible for the banishment of slavery in the United States of America? The man who signed the Emancipation Proclamation His face is on Mount Rushmore. This is how confused these folks are. But they say that Abraham Lincoln was a terrorist because he executed more than 300 Native Americans at one time. And they don't even know the story. If you stop and ask these kids, these children on the street to give you the history, to give you the backstory, they can't do it. I've seen the interviews. Yeah, more than 300 Native American men came together in a conglomeration with a mission to rape and burn and murder dozens of settlers. Again, is this a proper way to protest what you believe to be wrong? And they went on that mission and they murdered dozens of people. And did all sorts of vile and ungodly things to kids and women when they came across them. And they were rounded up and they were charged and they had a trial and they were convicted and they were sentenced to death. And Abraham Lincoln commuted the sentences of 264 of those 300 Native Americans from the death penalty to life in prison. That's what he did. They don't even know what they're doing. They don't even know what they're talking about. But they're trying to lead the charge. Adolf Hitler said, I want to raise up a generation of young people void of a conscience, imperious, relentless, and cruel. What a mission for a man to have. And in America, I don't know that we've had an individual to stand up and say that. I want to raise up a generation of young people, void of a conscience, and imperious, relentless, and cruel. But here's what's happened is we have a generation of young people that is rising up by default that are void of a conscience that are imperious and relentless and cruel. And it doesn't matter if a man said, I'm going to recruit and train kids to be that way, or if by default we've just sat around and let it happen, the results are the same. And our social institutions and our entertainment institutions and our educational institutions have been ingraining for several decades this idea of autonomy into the minds of young people. And it's raising up a generation of young people that have no conscience. Three of my kids have attended Gordon College, Little Gordon College in Little Barnesville, Georgia. Safe, right? Non-threatening, right? You wouldn't believe the stories my kids have come home and told me about the crap that they've heard come out of the mouths of their professors. The godless, atheistic, rebellious, autonomous language And education that is being purported in our public educational institutions is revolting. And you combine that with a generation of young people, so many of whom do not have a strong father in their lives, whose families are busted up. They're products of all kinds of brokenness so that they enter into adulthood as broken people. And then you have smart adults feeding into them bad information that's a horrible, horrible recipe. So, we have problems. Racism, injustice, police brutality, poverty, crime, violence. What's the root? We started talking about this last week. What's that part that's underground that is the root of all of it, off of which all these other branches grow? The root is that we have taken God off the center. We are no longer uh, focused on being a theonomous culture and society that has God at the center And again, not everybody serves Him or loves Him, but at least the foundational principles on which the nation is built are His. We've taken Him off the center. We have replaced Him with us. We're now our own gods. We now are at the center. That is the root problem off of which everything else grows. But I found this beautiful pattern in Scripture so I've, I've yelled up here about all this political stuff and all this societal stuff and this cultural and social stuff. Now let's get down to who we are and what we do about it and what is our source because we've got all kinds of problems. We need to know what to do with the problems, right? So God said to his people way back early on, he said, I'm going to give you a list of rules. It's a very short list, but number one on the list is very important. You need to always pay careful attention to it. You shall have no other gods before me. I've always said that I would would have loved it if he had added an addendum to that. The addendum is actually there throughout all of Scripture, but it's not written out just in one sentence form behind that commandment. That addendum would be, you shall have no other gods before me, especially yourself. Because you cannot manage what it is that is required to be able to live your life, to be fulfilled, to experience freedom, to live in peace. You can't do it unless God is at the center. Unless there are no other gods before Him. And then as I studied this, I started to see just a picture of God's order. To open up in front of me. And you could call a few things the absolutes, right? Now here's the thing, y'all. A whole lot of things, even in Christianity, even in the kingdom, are flexible. You can choose which church you want to go to. You can choose wh- how formal you want to be in your prayer life or how informal. You can choose what your devotional, your scripture reading life's going to look like. You can choose which style of music appeals to you most. And, and there are a lot, there's lots of flexibility. But there are a handful of absolutes. These are God-ordained institutions that are not to be molested or polluted by people. And they all come in this beautiful succession of order. And it starts with God Himself. And He says, You shall have no other gods before me. And when Jesus came along, He said, You. There are two commandments you have to follow. And the second is as great as the first. You are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And you are to love your neighbor as you love yourself. These are absolutes. God is an absolute. We can't, you know, it, it used to drive me crazy and they don't do it anymore really because of all the conflict and all the hostility between various groups. But when you would have um these national prayer things or these national gatherings after a disaster or whatever I remember when 9/11 happened and then they had this thing you know uh, where they brought in all these religious leaders and they're all sitting on a platform together and so you've got uh, you've got um, a, a Protestant ministers and you've got Catholic priests and you've got uh, a, a Muslim whatever and you've got a, a Catholic you know you've got all the Jew uh, what do you call a rabbi up there and all that. And each one gets his turn at the microphone, and each one gets his turn to pray. I'm like, hey, there's one true God. One. God Himself says, I am one. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. One true God. And any religion who has a representative sitting on the platform who does not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior of the world doesn't belong in my circle in terms of trying to take me to God. God. Secondly, life. Who created life? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit hovered over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And he followed that up by starting to create all kinds of forms of life. He is the author of life. He's the source of life. But we in all of our arrogance have decided that we're qualified to take over the management of life from God. And I'll tell you that I'm not going to try to decide or proclaim what's absolutely right and what's not and what's going to send you to hell and what's going to take you to heaven. But what I decided to do was anything that has to do with the giving or the taking of life, I'm not going to make that decision. If it's a child inside that mother's womb, I'm not making the decision to terminate that life because life is God's. It's not mine to decide. You may differ with me on this. That's fine. It's up to you. I do not support the death penalty because that is a decision to end a life, and in my opinion, it is not my... I do not have the authority to make a decision to end a human life. Now, if somebody's breaking in my house and they've got a gun and they're pointing it at me, I'll shoot them. Because we have the right of self defense. Other than that, I do not believe we have the authority to make a decision to end a human life. God and life, and then what comes next? Family. Family. He creates life, He creates. All the the wildlife, the livestock, the fish, the birds. And then he creates a man, his highest creation. And he creates a helpmate, a woman, to be that man's partner and friend. Beautiful picture of God's design. God created family. Family is a godly institution. And it is one of the absolutes. And what we've done is started to tinker and toy and mess up the principle and the institution of family. And we've gotten ourselves in a mess of trouble. You see, the problems we're seeing in our society right now are happening in large part because of the breakdown of the family structure. We can blame all the other people that are doing whatever it is they're doing that's wrong, and a lot of people doing things that are wrong. But you have to go way back past that. I suggest you pull up a video that has, uh, I forget who else is in it, but Denzel Washington's in it. And these people are giving their thoughts and opinions on why stuff's happening in our society that's happening. And he tells it straight. He says, listen, I grew up poor. I grew up in the neighborhood where bad things happen. He said, I've got friends who went to prison. I've got friends who are still in prison for robbing and for doing violent things and whatever. He said, as a matter of fact, out of my friend group, the only one that didn't get in trouble, the only one who didn't go that path, the only one that didn't end up fiddling with drugs and all this kind of stuff is me. He said, There's a part B to it. I'm the only one also who had my dad in my home and involved in my life all through my growing up. Family. When the family breaks down, all sorts of other things start to break down. People start looking for a way to fill up that void that's been left there and opened up in their hearts because of the brokenness of family that is supposed to be there by God's design. And when we start to redefine and we start to reformulate and we start to to try to make it like we want it instead of the way He designed it, it's not going to work. The results are going to be catastrophic as we see. And then finally, after God and life and family... We have the church as an absolute institution, ordained, created, set in place by God. His church. I'm not talking about this building. I'm not talking about any building. I'm not talking about any denomination. I'm not talking about any religious organization. I'm talking about God's church, which is people worldwide who are called by His name, who are living in obedience to His words. And Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I hope you know that we're not far down the line in the succession of institutions that are going to be attacked as a result for the desire of the desire for an autonomous culture as a result of the brokenness of family and people searching for some truth but searching in all the wrong places. The church is co- going to come under attack more than ever. We're seeing it already. You're in the conversations about uh, doing away with um, tax-exempt status for churches. That's persecution. That's an attack. You hear, the, you hear the, all these tidbits, of and what it is is it's just starting to chip away a little bit. Just chip a little bit. This is the way it always starts. Let's chip away a little bit at that. At that. let's chip away a little bit at this, and then we get a, a real strong hold on something and then it's all out war. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. We're the children of God. We are the sons and daughters of God. We're living and walking in His kingdom. And I don't invite persecution, but I plan to be ready no matter what happens. He's not giving us a spirit of fear, power, love, sound mind. How do you get those three items? How do you get power? How are you consumed with love? How do you make sure you have a sound mind in the midst of all the chaos and turmoil that's going on? You dig into his words. While they're chipping, you're digging. While they're chipping, you're digging. You tell the truth. I heard this this phrase last week. Someone said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I want to do something that causes a disruption. And that struck me, I thought. Me too. I want to do something that causes a disruption. But not just a disruption for disruption's sake. Here's what I want to disrupt. I want to disrupt the plans of the disruptors. Like I said a few minutes ago, I want to counter the lies with the truth because the truth is going to disrupt the lie. I want to disrupt the darkness by bringing light because light is the only thing that can dispel darkness. Walk into a dark room... With anything in your hand, anything you can drag in there, you can go in there with a generator, drag it in, pull the cord and start it, and it'll run. But if it's not tapped into the light source, it's just a generator sitting there running. It's not going to create any light. There is nothing you can take into a dark room that is going to send the darkness away except light. Light. We are torch bearers. We are light bearers. Our entire lives are to be light. So we tell the truth and it disrupts. And we bear light and it disrupts. And we stand firm in what is right and that disrupts what is wrong. I'm not going to sit around and argue about theology, politics, you know, I'm not going to sit around and argue about opinions and theories and philosophy. Just keep doing what's right. Just keep telling the truth. Keep working in a way that's going to bless people. Keep exercising and doing what we do out of love and compassion and benevolence and let His light shine among men so that they will glorify our Father. So, I enjoy my freedom. There's a way to able to make sure it stays. There's a way to be able to address the problems that we're faced with that will ensure that our freedom doesn't go anywhere. And that is to tell the truth. That is to recognize the root. That is to continue to remain obedient. And that is to let our light so shine among men that they'll see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Father, I give you thanks for your words I pray that any of this is just my own idea or opinion would just fall by the wayside, but whatever's your word would settle in our hearts like good seed and good soil would grow up. I pray for the young people who shouldn't be discouraged um, about what they can't do at this point or are not capable of doing, but would be encouraged and that they have an opportunity to see the wrong and to make a decision that as life goes on, they're going to choose the right. They're going to choose to do what's right. They're going to choose to let their light shine. I pray for those who are hurting and struggling, those who are confused and fearful, that they would hear those words straight from you today, that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. I thank you for truth, for the truth will make us free. Make us truly, truly free. I pray blessings of peace, power, provision, and protection over your people. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you all for being here. Thanks for listening. Giving happens at the back doors as you leave.